All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. I want to welcome you to Centerpoint Church, Kent Island. If you are a visitor or first-time guest, we're going to ask that if you look in your programs, you should have something called a connection card. Please fill that out and give us as much information about yourself as you would like. Um, if you are a member here, or again, just a guest or visitor, on the back of there, you can fill out um, a prayer request or any kind of things like that you may have in your heart. Fill that out and put it in the offering bucket as it goes by. We'd be more than glad to pray with you, um, talk with you, meet with you a little bit, and share a little bit more about Centerpoint Church, Kent Island. Um, I want to say happy Father's Day to all of the fathers here, um, to all of the uh, granddads and pop pops and all those other nicknames that you guys have. Happy Father's Day and just want to greet you again and say uh, good morning to you. If uh, you are here with us and you haven't been with us before uh, or you've been with us the last couple of weeks, we are doing our sermon series um, called From Good to Great in God's Eyes from Chip Ingram. It is our summer series reading, and we like to preach through a book during the summertime and kind of share some points and some wisdom. And so we want to recommend that you guys would get this book. Again, it's entitled From Good to Great in God's Eyes. Um, if you're not a real big book reader, but you like to listen to stuff, hopefully me and some other things as well, um, go to uh, maybe download the app and get this audible version of it so you can listen to it. Either way, a great book to listen to or read and get information from. Um, we're going to continue our series here of Call from Good to Great in God's Eyes, and I'm going to ask that you guys um, will remain seated. We have several scriptures and a lot of things to run through here today, and so we're not going to necessarily do our normal format of, of, of scripture reading like we've done before. Um, I want to pray for us just one more time, and then we'll get right into uh, this message. Uh, dear God, open up our hearts and our ears again to receive your word and to receive your truth. Father, open up our minds and our spirits to, uh, to know you closer, to be in your presence. Father, use these next few moments, sanctify them, that they would be holy and pleasing and, and, and pleasant in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray and give you thanks. Amen. Um, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're dealing with this title, From Good to Great in God's Eyes. We've been going through each chapter of the uh, book of Chip Ingram that he's given us here. And he gives us this phenomenal uh, passage that he deals with in this chapter entitled, Dream Great Dreams. And so this week we're going to talk about dreaming great dreams. I want to give you a quote that's written in this book that I want to share with you that deals with this passage or chapter that he has entitled Dream Great Dreams. Here's the quote. The quote says this, God delights to do impossible things through improbable people and to impart exceeding grace to understanding, to undeserving, uh, what's that last word? Recipients. I'll read it one more time. God delights to do impossible things through improbable people and to impart exceeding grace to undeserving what? Recipients. Uh, before I get into what this means and breaks us down a little bit, this passage, this chapter that he's dealing with, that Chip is sharing with us, it is not this idea that um, we want to dream great dreams to, to make a million dollars. We want to dream great dreams to uh, build a car. We want to dream great dreams to go take adventure somewhere. We want to dream great dreams to grab the most amazing things that we could possibly have and do. It's not one of these self-help books, these blab it and grab it, um, believe it and you will achieve it kind of books. It's not a self-motivation book. What he's talking about is that God gives us these God-inspired, not you-inspired, not, oh, I see a neighbor that has it, I should have it inspired. Oh, they have a brand new car or a yacht, I want to have a brand new car, yacht inspired. A God-inspired dream. Are you guys with me? There's a difference between all other kind of great dreams that we want to get and achieve and God-given dreams. And so Chip says, I want to share with you this idea of not achieving just this dream of all kind of man attainable dreams, I want you to obtain a God-given dream that God gives us. Are you with me so far? 
And so what he says is that he says, I want to share with you this idea that God delights to do impossible things through improbable people and to impart exceeding grace to undeserving recipients. What in the world does that big old sentence mean? It means that God desires to do these amazing things, the impossible things, these things that only God can give us to dream and to accomplish and to desire and to move forward through. He wants to do it through impoverable people, people most likely that are unlikely to be expected to do those things, you. People that people would look at and say, you're doing that? You're living that life? God is working through you? God operates through the passages of Scripture through tons of people that are probably the most undeserving or most unsuspecting people. God uses those people, and those people are sitting in these chairs today. I want to make you feel bad. But people just aren't expecting God things from you. People aren't expecting God things from me. And he says he wants to use and do impossible things through improbable people to, in, to impact or impart in seeding grace. In other words, he wants God's grace to operate through you. He wants people's lives to be changed through you. He says he wants it to happen to undeserving, uh, 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 man, what is that word? Recipient, good gracious. That you would share this word and this truth in a way that people are unbelievable, uh, that they're blown away, that they can't even imagine that God would use you to do this thing. Those are the kind of God dreams that we're talking about. Those are the kind of great dreams that we're talking about. I want to share with you guys a whole bunch of points. And because we got a whole bunch of points, and I'm going to break this down to different sections, uh, what we're going to do in the next week is we're going to email all of this to you as well because I know it's a lot of points. So if you don't have, we don't have your email, if you're not connected to the church email listing, make sure you fill that out on the card so we can get these points to you guys. It's a lot of points and information that we have for you today. All right? <sighs> Man. All right? Crazy, you haven't even had barbecue yet. Hang in there with me. Here we go. The first aspect is to understand the basis of sanctified dreaming. In other words, not your dreaming, God's dreaming. What it looks like to have God's dreaming operate through you and on you. What it looks like to have God's dreaming start to impact you. I want to share with you these first four points on the basis of sanctified. God's spirit, God's grace, God's, God's, God's gifting, his talents, his spirit that is washed over and cleaned over and made these dreams possible. These dreams that come from him. Number one, we have to understand that these dreams come from God. They are God dreams. They are number one. God is able. Only God is able to give these kind of dreams. Here's the scripture we want to give with you. Jeremiah 32 and 17. O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. In other words, God gives us these dreams that are impossible to dream, these po the dreams that are impossible to think of because they come from him and only he, he is able to make these things happen. Only he through his grace, his power, his strength, his wisdom, his ability is able to give you a dream of this kind of dream to get something accomplished. He says, under to understand that it's a sanctified dream, this is a wild, crazy, only you can do it kind of dream from God. Are you guys with me so far? I'll show you how this works in a second. Uh, here's the second thing you need to understand on the basis of a sanctified dream. God is desirous of this dream. Watch this. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. That is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. It says that nor eye has seen, nor ear has heard, or the mind has imagined what God has purposed. 
what God desires. In other words, it literally tells us in Scripture that God has these great dreams and has these things that man hasn't even seen, and he's going to put it in people so that people can birth these things that man have not seen, ears have not heard, dreams have not been dreamed about. Are you guys with me so far? There we go. So here's what happens. Um, 2000 and a long time ago, maybe seven, six, five, uh, uh, six, seven, somewhere in there. Facebook is a brand new, a relatively brand new, hot, amazing thing. Everybody's flocking to it. There's billions of people on Facebook or millions. And so I decide one day that I want to do something that's impacting. I'm tired of watching all these videos of all this foolishness on Facebook, and I desire to want to kind of do something. And I think what would be really awesome if somebody would go on Facebook and share Facebook messages. I wish somebody would share Facebook messages that were like God messages. Everybody's posting videos of people fighting. Everybody's posting videos of people doing stuff. I wish that somebody would get on there and would like preach God's word in a really cool way on Facebook. Are you guys with me? And so I'm wishing this for weeks and 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 for months. I'm just so tired. I'm so frustrated. And God kind of drops in my mind, why don't you share a message with the people of Facebook, and I said no. I said no because the last thing I want to do is be scrutinized for every message that I put on Facebook. Does that make sense? I don't be talked about. The worst thing you can do is be talked about. You share an idea, and people, you know, they 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 poop on your parade. That's a great way to say it. And they just they really, you know, it's just you really just don't feel like you're being successful, and you want to do stuff, and people are downing you, and I'm not going to do it. And every week it got laid on my heart. More and more and more and more and more. And so I go on Facebook and I share this five-minute message. And I share this message and I put it up. And in weeks, excuse me, in, a, in two weeks, I have over 300 views. I said, wow. And somebody said, you should share another message. And so I put up another message and uploaded another message and uploaded another message. And all of a sudden, I start to see these messages start to upload. I start to get messages from people that are saying, can you pray for me? Uh, I really appreciate what you did. That's amazing. All of a sudden, there's stuff I never really dreamed of that would happen, but I felt this passion that it should happen is starting to happen, that people's lives are being impacted by stuff I'm doing on Facebook that I never, ever really thought about. I want to share a few point number three the basis of significant dreaming. God has promised. God gives us a specific promise how this is supposed to impact lives, how his dream is supposed to impact lives. I want you to hear this scripture, which is Psalms 37 and 4. It reads like this. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. It says that he's not going to give you the car because you desire the car. He says, I want you to take this desire in your heart, and I want your desire to be tied up and tied to God's desire, that your desire should match God's desire. And if your desire matches God's desire, then those things of godly desire should take place. It's a lot of desiring happening, right? And so he says, don't take your desire, but have your desire match up with God's desire. That when your heart, your passion, your will, your wants align with what God's passion, heart, will, and desire is, he's going to take those things, marry it, and then start to make it move and take, uh, make things happen and take place. He says that's where God's promises are. He doesn't promise you that you're going to get the man that you want. We'll just be all right, it's quiet. Um, he doesn't promise you're going to get some of you guys sitting next to that guy like, oh, yeah, you know. <laughs> I, you're not going to get the woman you want. 
Uh, you may not get the car you want. He's not necessarily interested in what you want. He's interested in making sure that his will is performed and committed and carried out. And so what he does is that he gives us this heart, and if this heart aligns up with his passions and his desires, then we should be able to do great things in his passion and his desire. And so he promises that these things are going to happen based upon what? The desires of our heart. Our heart should be desiring what's after his heart. And if our heart is desiring after his heart, then great things will happen. Here's point number four. The basis of uh, sanctified dreaming is found right here. God invites us. Point number four, Psalms 2.8 reads like this. Only ask and I will give you the nations of your inheritance. He says, only ask and I'll give you the nations of your inheritance. Your godly desire should be based upon chasing after God to do God's will to change the lives of people. I'm doing these Facebook messages. I'm preaching these Facebook messages. I'm doing these series. I start putting these series together on Facebook. And this guy comes to me. He says, listen, I work with Verizon. I would like to market your stuff. How much money are you making off of your messages? I said, I ain't making no money off of your messages. Do you want to make money off of these messages? I said, no, not really. I just want to change the lives of people. I feel like me taking money for this would be really wrong. And he says, well, no, but I understand your heart. He says, you should get a little something off of what you're doing, but if your desire is to really market and share the messages, I'll help you market and share these messages for free. Um, I'll give you all my marketing skill, all my marketing talent. I'll show you how to set it up. I'll show you how to go about it, and you should definitely make something. This is your time, your work, your labor. You should make a little money off of this. This is your passion and desire. And I said, I don't want to make any money. He said, well, shut up. I'm going to help you make some money anyway. He says, and why don't you do whatever else you want to do with whatever money you make? That's not a bad idea. So we started making these messages and putting them on CDs. You remember CDs? It's a long time ago. On CDs. And we started packaging these sermon series, these five-minute messages I was doing on Facebook, these six, seven sermon series. We put them on CDs, maybe 30 minutes on a CD. He had this cool label, and I got a logo, and it went on the CD. Remember, logos would go on CDs. Every teenager was like, what the heck is a CD? Don't worry about it. You'll just go home and Google it. And so we had all this stuff on here, and we packaged this stuff, and he would start selling this stuff. And I could take the money, and I could start giving it to all these other ministries. And I'm sitting here like, wow, this is great. I got a little extra money. I'm giving money to other ministries. I got these packaged CDs. I go to churches. I pass out these. It's great. And one day, I'm sitting at home. I get a Facebook message from Nevada. And Nevada Church says, listen, we're a church in Nevada, and we've been watching your stuff over here on Facebook, and we would love to know if we can share your stuff as a Bible study. Do you mind if we do that with our teens? Is that okay? And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, a kid, a young man in Maryland, Upper Marlboro, Maryland, somehow has reached from here all the way to Nevada, and they're asking to use my messages. And can I said, yeah. They said, how much does it cost? I said, no, just take it. Use it. God says that when he puts dreams in us, he wants to be able to use it, not just for right here, but the nations. He wants it to spread out and go all over the place. You guys ready for this? A few days ago, a country won an NBA championship. Ugh. It's nobody in the U.S. It's Toronto, Canada. Put your hands down. One fake fan. You know what Toronto was two years ago. So I'm sitting here, and, and I'm, I'm doing all these messages and stuff, and I get, I get a Facebook message from Toronto, Canada, and they say, hey, we got a whole group of people in Toronto that have been watching your stuff. We would love to share your messages with them. Is that okay? And my mouth dropped because I've gone from 
Nevada to New Mexico to Atlanta to now somebody in Toronto, Canada is asking to, if they can share messages that I did all from a dream that God placed on me, all from a dream I was scared to step out in. Why? Because God wants to do great things through people that don't deserve it. And his desire is to take that dream that he puts in you and to share it with people, not just in your household, not just in your community, but within the world. He desires these dreams to be amazing and big and great and all kinds of powerful. So one day, I'm sitting at home, I get a phone call. It's Harvard University. Stop. It's Harvard University. And they're asking me to come up for the weekend and preach for the weekend at Harvard University. I'm struggling to get my degree in Bible college. I'm trying to get 120 credits. And Harvard University is inviting me to speak in front of numbers of kids from the messages that I did on Facebook. God takes your dream that is his dream. He puts it in you, and when it is unbelievable and when it is full of his grace, he allows you to share it in a way that changes the lives of people, countless people, people you wouldn't even think of. The difference between a lot of our dreams are they are me-focused and centered. God's dreams are dreams that he wants to put in you that would change the focus of people's lives, that they would be centered on him. Did y'all catch the big difference? My dream is centered and focused on what I want and how I want to accomplish it. And God says that his dream is that he would have the focus of the nations of people centered on him, and he wants to use you and I to accomplish those dreams. God-based, centered dreams sanctified dreams look like those four points. Those four points, again, I'll give them to you, are God is able, only God is able to push that dream. God desires, God takes his desire to change the lives of people and reach people through you. He says that these God dreams have God's promises, that they're going to do great and amazing things because they're going to line up with his truth and his promise. He says, number four, he says, God invites us to share these dreams with everybody. Here's your next one. How God births his dreams in people. How God births his dreams in people. Number one, God commands us to step out of our comfort zone. I just talked about that a few moments ago. Me sitting there looking at Facebook, getting frustrated with all these messages, and him challenging me to do something that's beyond what I want to do, anything that I would like to do. It's beyond what's practical to me. It's anything I don't want to be involved in. Because all of those great compliments where people were saying, man, that was an awesome video, there was somebody else saying, your video sucks. Hello? Like, we can be real for a second. I'm doing all this God dreaming, and I'm preaching these messages from my heart and soul, and I'm writing down Scripture, and I'm out here doing all this stuff, and I'm sharing these messages, and I'm trying to figure out how to make an eight-minute message fit into four minutes so people don't get too bored, and it's too long. And I'm putting all this work in, and somebody's saying, I don't believe in the God that you serve, and I believe everything that you said was horrible. You're whack. Comb your beard. I got some horrible stuff. You're laughing. That's like one of the nicest things. I got a lot of nasty stuff. And after a while, you don't even read the comments. 
You don't even read the Facebook messages because you just want to do your job and you don't want all that negativity. He says, God causes you in his God-given dreams for you to trust and believe him and to step out. Abraham, who's in the Bible, please look him up, did these impossible and amazing things. He stepped out and he trusted God. His faith was in him. He, God told him to go move to a whole new country, a whole new place, take your family with you, and we'll figure it out together. And Abraham did that. And through that, the lives of countless believers were changed. Number two, God births his dreams in his people. Number two, God puts his dreams in your heart. Joseph is a great story of how God puts a dream in a heart. He says that you are one of the youngest brothers, and all of your brothers will humble themselves and bow down before you. That's not going to happen in their minds. It's not going to happen culturally because there's a pecking order to how, uh, how things operate culturally. And because he's not the firstborn, the biggest and the best things don't go to him. And so he shouldn't even get those things. But God puts this dream in him. He says, listen, you're going to achieve and do great things. He says, God puts a dream in your heart that is so amazing that it only has to be God. Number three, how does God birth these dreams in his people? It says, God allows us to fail in our attempts to accomplish his dreams in our own power. The story of Moses is very simple. Moses says that he understands that he is really an Israelite, and so his desire at this moment is that he starts to get anger and frustration when he sees his people are unfairly enslaved. And so he beats up somebody that's beating up one of the Israelites and kills them. You guys remember that? And this whole concept is, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to liberate this fellow person that's mine by beating this guy up, and I'm going to kill him and hide his body, and he's been freed from, from, from the slavery of this one guy or this enforcing of slavery from this one guy. And God says, that's not how you're supposed to accomplish it. And Moses has to go away for 40 years, and there's prayer, and there's fasting, and there's spending time with God, learning who God is. And then he comes back, and God uses him in a great way to what? Deliver the children of Israel. Not one guy, but all of the children of Israel. God desires to do great things with us. He desires to do amazing things with us. And a lot of times we try to push the dream ahead without looking and concerning God and figuring out where does God fit into this dream. God gives us a passion and desire, and we go with it. There was a certain point where I'm speaking at Harvard University. Um, I got an itinerary now. It's a big word. Got an itinerary. I got a list of places I'm supposed to speak at and preach. Every weekend, I'm preaching two and four and three nights. I'm making lots of money. Lots of money. I can make 1000 I can make 1200 in a weekend. It was great. It was wonderful. The problem was I'm trying to push this message, and I'm starting to forget where God is. And my heart starts slipping away from God. It gets to a point where I'm doing these messages on Facebook, I'm doing these messages at colleges, several colleges have invited me at this point, I'm doing these messages at all these churches and youth retreats and revivals, and I'm going here, and I'm going there, and I'm in Virginia, I'm over there, I'm over here, I'm doing all this traveling, all this preaching, and God is just not the same God to me anymore. And when I used to show up to your church and sit down and do praise and worship and enjoy the message, and then I'd come up and speak, now I'm asking you, what time does service start, and what time do you expect me to speak? Because I know I'm not getting there until it's time for me to speak. You see where my heart's going? I don't want to be in the worship. I don't want to be in the fellowship. I don't want to shake hands. I don't want to talk to people. I just want to get up, do my thing, and leave. 
And in those moments, I started to feel such horrible feelings. I started to feel like I was slipping and falling away from God that I literally just said, I'm done. I'm out. I'm finished. I'm closed. That big website, I stopped taking all kinds of, of, of opportunities to come speak. And my last speaking obligation was August 18th, 2010. I shut it down. Can you come speak to our church? No. My heart's not right. I didn't tell them my heart wasn't right, but I was like, no, I can't do it. <laughs> Can we come have you speak at our, our youth revival? No, I can't do it. Well, we're willing to pay you? No, I don't want it. Because I was in such a place where I was attempting to push God's word and live this dream that started feeling really good that I forgot who God was. I forgot what God was about. And sometimes God has to let us fail before we recognize who God is. I had people all around, let's go start a church. You're amazing. We'll follow you. And I was like, yeah, I am amazing. And I am awesome. Can I just, you guys looking at me like, wow, can I just be real for a second? Is that okay? Like real transparency? Like that's what I felt. I felt I was awesome. And I felt I was amazing. And yes, everyone should follow me and start this great church and we want to do this great movement. And my heart was horrible. Because I'm trying to push a dream that I have now left God for to push this dream. I'm more focused on the dream than God. And God says, if you're going to dream great dreams, God is going to allow us sometimes to fail to understand that he is more important. How do I know? Because watch number five, number four. God teaches us through adversity to love the dream giver more than the dream. Can I say it again? This is one of the most important parts of this dreaming great dream stuff. God teaches us through adversity to love the dream giver more than the dream. God has placed a dream on your heart, and because we are people, we want to push forward and make this thing happen. And we forget to check back in with God, to follow God, to humble ourselves under God's call, his will, his authority, his passion. And we start pushing this agenda, and we forget about who God is. I do a lot of marriage counseling. I talk about this all the time. One of the biggest issues in marriage counseling is two people feel like they're supposed to be married. They feel like God has called them to be married. They feel like this is it. This is the person. And it may be absolutely true. And they go set a date, and they start moving forward, and then stuff starts popping up. You know those flags that start popping up? But it's hard to pay attention to those flags and say, hey, maybe you guys should slow down a little bit. Maybe I know you got a date for June. Maybe we should push it back to October. Like those flags are popping off, and there's, you know, we need to get some credit together. We need to get this together. Like those flags are popping off, but you got a June date, baby, and you got to make that June date. And all of a sudden, these frustrations start popping up. These things start happening. And all of a sudden, we start having these issues and these dramas and these struggles. And it's only because people didn't stop and say, let me listen to God. The, the, the check that we wrote to the dance hall has already been sent in. And instead of saying, let's take some more time to get us together, sometimes we move too far ahead too fast, and all of a sudden the dream that God has given us becomes corrupted by our own selves. Sometimes we got to fall back and fall in love with God. Focus on who God is. Focus on how God operates. There's a story in the book of uh, 1 Samuel, chapter 30. It talks about David had this dream that he's supposed to accomplish all these things, that he's been called to be king, and all of a sudden he finds himself in a whole world of trouble. 
And instead of saying, God, you said I was going to be this. God, you said I'm going to be that. He simply just sits down and says, you know what, in chapter 30, God, you're God and I love you. And it says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. He found and connected with the Lord even more. And God still answered the dream that he had placed on David's heart to be king. But he had to make sure that his heart was on the same page with God. He was in the same direction with God. God is going to give you great dreams. You're going to struggle to want to accomplish them. You're going to push ahead to accomplish them. But if you're not careful to make sure that your heart is loving God more than the dream that he's given you, you're going to have struggles to fail. Here's the last one. God clarifies our calling in a time of crisis. God uses this moment, this dream, to define who we are and what we're supposed to be. These moments of struggle, are we looking like God? And these moments of trouble, are we looking like God? And these moments when it doesn't seem like the money's adding up or the people are supporting us or the prayers are coming in or health is starting to fall, do we still recognize that God's given us the dream? He is a dream giver. I love him and the dream that he's given us, and I'm willing to push through to accomplish his dream because I'm trusting and believing in him. All right, here comes the good part. I know it's been like bam, 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 bam. Here's the good stuff for you. Dreaming great dreams. When God begins to give you a dream, number one, the first thing you want to do is write it down. Don't just talk about I have a dream. Don't just talk about I have this vision, this idea. Write this dream out, and I would say start to write down what a God-given dream looks like. How do you think it would happen? Journal it down. Write it down. Write down blueprints. When I got on Facebook, I had no idea how to make this happen. Get a recorder and press a button and start talking. And I guess that's what I'm going to do. Grab you a pencil, a paper, and start to write down how these dreams are going to look, how they should work, what are your ideas, what are your thoughts behind it. Write down these dreams. Let your mind start to, to drift off on the idea of this dream. Number two, read them out regularly, or B, read them out regularly. To dream great dreams means to not just write them down when you get them from God, but to read them over regularly. There's a lot of times in my phone, thank God for note sections in your phone, I write down thoughts, dreams, sermons, and I just put them there. And I come back and figure out how are we going to do it, how are we going to accomplish it. And eventually it comes out, dreaming great dreams about how we're going to build a ministry. What does that look like? These are the eight places I need people to be in, and right now I only see three of them. It's just me, I got to say. Like if I could build a team, like if I could build an all-star team, what would my all-star team look like? There's five places on my all-star team, and right now I've only got two in a possible. Ugh. Where are these other two and a half people going to come from? What do I have to do to get this half person all the way up to, to the number three spot? What do I do? How do I do it? I got to read over these dreams. I got to rewrite them down. I got to figure out who I'm moving. How I'm saying. I got papers on my office. I got papers at home. I got papers and napkins. I got receipts I'm drawing on. I'm figuring out how to move people to get people where they need to be. These are what you do. You dream great dreams, and then you write them down. Let her see. Probably the most important part, pray over them. God's given us great dreams. We've written them down, and now we're moving. We didn't pray over them. We didn't ask God for his grace. We didn't ask him for his wisdom. We didn't ask him for the people. We didn't ask him for insight. We didn't ask him how to build any of this stuff. We just we shot straight out. Got to pray for him. And then see, wait or watch for God's invitation. 
God invites you and I. He doesn't just put the dream on our heart, but he invites us to now start participating in it. Did y'all catch that? He doesn't just put the dream on our heart. He doesn't give us the insight, but now he says there's an opportunity. I want you to take advantage of this opportunity. This opportunity will present itself in your finances, in your money, in your resources, in your time, in your church, with your family. He's going to invite you with these opportunities. Those are the times you need to step in and do great things. Take advantage of the opportunity. We went up to this conference a few weeks ago, um, a leadership conference, and this lady who's, who's speaking, phenomenal speaker, and she's doing an awesome job, and she's, like, just killing it. And people, like, her delivery is amazing, and her humor is great. Um, and she's just, she's killing the message, and I'm super excited. And they ask her, how did you become uh, such a great uh, person? She works in the Salvation Army. She's like, how did you become so great in serving and preaching the gospel? And how are you so just not effective anymore? How are you just doing this with such passion and with such fire? And she says, well, I went to, I, I have flown into this small little village to, um, to go through this presentation, and there were several people in front of me, and she said she heard, and she was in this tribal setting, and there's several people in front of the, her doing these presentations, and she heard the Holy Spirit say to her, share the gospel right now. And she said, no, it's not my time. And there's all these people that are in front of her, and she says, the Holy Spirit says to her again, share the gospel right now. Get up there right now. And she says, no, there's like a few more speakers. I'm not, who does that? I'm not just, I look like a crazy person. And the Holy Spirit said to her again, go up there right now and preach the gospel. These people in this tribe need to be saved. And she sits back and says, no, I, I want to, but it's not my turn yet. Uh, two more speakers and I'll be up. And a siren goes off. And this horrible storm takes place. And they rush all the speakers on the helicopter, and they fly them back to their hotel. And she finds out later that that entire village was wiped out with the storm that took place. And she's devastated. And she cries, and she breaks down, and she's in horrible pain, and she's dealing with a lot of guilt because she recognizes that that was her moment by God's Holy Spirit to do something to lead people to Christ, to share God's word, to share God's truth, that people would accept Christ, that even in these last few moments when the storm comes, that even when she's taken off, who knows, 10, 23 people may have been saved, 100 may have been saved. But she missed the invitation. And she said to herself in her hotel room, God, if you ever give me an opportunity to share your word again, I will share it without fear. I will be reckless. I will be passionate. I will throw my abandon. I'll just be wild with it. And from that day forth, she moved from speaking at the Salvation Army to churches, retreats, revivals, and all across the world. When God invites us with a great dream and a passion, don't miss your moment. If you've missed your moment, you can always ask God to let you come back around again. Let me say it again. If you've missed your moment, you can always ask God to let you come back around again. Because God has put a dream in your heart, and he's put a passion in your soul. It's a dream that he wants you to accomplish. And even if you've missed it once or twice, you still have an opportunity to get back in the game to share his truth. Amen? Great. Before you're done, hey, fathers, I know it's Father's Day. Let me just punch you in the face real quick and say happy Father's Day to you. You've had an opportunity to be a great dad, and you've missed the mark sometimes. You've had an opportunity being a loving father, 
and you miss the mark sometimes. You had an opportunity or you desire to be awesome in some areas of where you can raise those kids, where you can teach those kids, how you would impart in those kids, how you would be a great representation in your household to your wife. We haven't lived up to the marital covenant as much as we should have or ought to be about what we've watched or what we've entertained. And I believe that in each and every one of you, God has put a desire to be great because that's just pretty much the nature of a man is that we desire to be great. We are competitive by nature. It is in our DNA to be and to prove that we are awesome. We can still be awesome in our marriages and we can still be awesome with our kids, whether they're 30 or 3. And so I would tell you to dream great dreams again to be a great dad. To dream great dreams again of how to get it accomplished. I want to teach my kids the scripture, but I got too many sports. Dude, if God is putting that on your heart, that's clearly not a devil desire. That's a God desire. I want to be a better prayer in my household. I want to be a better leader in my household. I want to be a better this. I want to be a better that. If God is putting that on your heart, he is placing a dream in you to lead your household in a way that will change the lives of people. Humble yourselves to his voice, and when the invitation comes for you to sit down and turn the music off in your car or to sit with your wife or sit with your kids and share with them, take advantage of the opportunity. I don't know scripture. You know stuff that sounds right enough to God's word. Let's start there. I don't know how to pray. Well, last week we talked about connecting with people in the church that could help you reach to the next level. Get with some guys that we can start praying with and talking with and communicating with. Ooh, it got real quiet. Everybody got a black eye that's a guy. Everybody. And I'm punching me too, so don't worry about it. God has given you great dreams to be better than who you are in your marriage and with your kids and with your family and with your grandkids, and you still have the ability to be it. He's called you to be the leader. He's caused us to set the tone. Doesn't mean that we don't forget who our wife is or how significant she is. She is a partner and we labor together in this thing. Dream great dreams for your family again. You've missed it. God opens up the door and another invitation to come back around. You know how I know so many people have an opportunity to get saved? It's because we have definitely skipped on the invitation of salvation. Haven't we all? And somewhere down the road, we gave our life to Christ, and we accepted him. Might have been the fifth call or the 55th call. We've accepted him. As long as there's breath in your body, you have an opportunity to receive Christ as your Savior. As long as there's breath in your body, you, husbands, wives, everybody, have an ability to hop on the dream that God has given us or is trying to give us, to fulfill it, to live it out be everything God's called us to be. Here's your takeaway for today. Right there on the screen. You have a camera, take a picture of it. We're going to pass these notes out, make sure that we get your email. Your takeaway is this. God delights. He finds absolute thrill and joy to do impossible things through improbable people, improbable people, such as yourself, to impart exceeding grace, his grace, to undeserving, uh, what's that word again? Recipients 
Y'all give me some grace for that word, please. For undeserving recipients, for people everywhere that are going to hear your voice, God has called you to dream great dreams. As the band comes up, let's pray. Father God, this is, this is Father's Day. So Father, we thank you for being a great dad to us, for being a loving, faithful, forgiving parent. We thank you for the opportunity and example that you sent to us, your son who died on the cross. We thank you for the awesome opportunity we have to humble ourselves before your presence. You desire for us to do amazing things, not for ourselves, but for you. Father, let us find joy and excitement and delight in doing your will. Let us find joy and excitement and passion and purpose in connecting with you. That we would be used by you to change the lives of others. That folks would be saved, that marriages would be healed, that minds would be changed for you, that souls would be sown into. Let us dream great dreams. Let us experience you on deeper levels. Let us be passionate about being with you and doing your will. In Jesus' name, amen.